Hello, and thank you for joining us. Another episode of Why Theory. Uh, Todd, how are you? Hi, Ryan. I'm good. Excellent. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about um, enjoyment as politics, or how, uh, you know, there are political figures um, and just figures in general of enjoyment and how enjoyment uh, can figure the political situation. And just to start with a brief definition for me that then uh, I want, Todd, I want you to add on to, um, is when we say enjoyment, it's not just, uh, oh, I, you know, I always watch um, when, this is a shout out to my Uncle Frank, um, when he's sick, he used to always watch uh, Star Wars, A New Hope. And have a like, a, like a bottle of uh, of Coca Cola next to him, and like I did the same thing as a kid growing up, like, like at home. So that's not enjoyment. Like this is just a thing you like to do. That's not enjoyment. That's not how. We, I mean, that is enjoyable, but it's not the thing that we like to do. Um, when we are talking about enjoyment here, is uh, enjoyment posits a limit that uh, requires transgressing. Okay, of that limit of of itself, and it is uh, kind of inherently the self-destructive. Would you would you agree to that, or how do you want to call it? I do. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really good. I think that without that, so without a limit, you cannot enjoy, and your enjoyment and and the enjoyment always has to in some way go beyond the limit that it sets up itself. So yeah. that's why you know things that are enjoyable, and I think. Um, that's why things that are enjoyable are always sort of puts you on the edge of legality or, or even, you know, your own personal health or, or, or safety. Those things are yeah. enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like, like, uh, you know, I, I have a colleague here who likes to skydive and she says it's the most enjoyable thing I do. And I think actually it seems like that's the commonsensical use of the word enjoyment, mm-hmm. but actually I think it is this, it is enjoyment in the psychoanalytic sense because as she's, coming you know she's doing she's putting her life she's like i always feel that i'm on the verge of death right mm, and so she's right. always putting her life in danger so i think this idea of self-destructiveness is absolutely crucial to it like it has to your own self-interest your own good as a subject has to be imperiled or at least mm. damaged in some way for something to truly be enjoyable that's why i think my favorite example of enjoyment is you mentioned the drinking Coca-Cola. I actually think Coca-Cola is a pretty good example of enjoyment, mm, right? Like a yeah. regular Coke or a Twinkie. <laughs> like like we like they're not they don't even have the oh this is fine dine, you know, they're, yeah. they're they're crappy. Yeah. And and so that even adds to their enjoyment. Like they're not you're not saving your money and getting a good deal on a Twinkie. You're just, you know, it's a or a Coca-Cola. It's just it's crap and it, but it tastes really good mm-hmm. and the good taste, but it's not the so the good taste is pleasure, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But the damage that the coke ultimately does to your health is that's what makes it enjoyable. Yeah. I think. So the the, yeah. the pleasure the pleasure is the is the taste. So the pleasure is in the the mouth, and then the enjoyment is in the body, like in, right, in that in right, that, in that right. sense. Yeah. I also the, I think I would also oppose conscious pleasure to unconscious enjoyment okay like i think we can all the time be conscious of our pleasure Mm -hmm. but i think our enjoyment is de facto unconscious Mm -hmm. like i think because it's has this sort of self-destructive aspect to it or not even aspect like it is essentially self-destructive you can never consciously aim at it like no like like if you try to make what's self-destructive conscious then it becomes like a good that you're aiming at. So yeah. you can't, you can never consciously aim at enjoying. Well, it would always be softened too, right? Like I, I think, right. I think right. like, so I love, <laughs> keep talking about Coca-Cola. I love Coca-Cola. And yeah. I made a decision a year and a half ago that I was going to not have it so much because yeah. I love it. And so, um, I, I, there are times when I do have it, uh, obviously because, and I always, so this is my, this is kind of funny. My one break when I break from my not having Coca-Cola is I get it at McDonald's in like the giant cups. And that is my, like, that's like, that's my, my favorite thing. And so it's even that you go to McDonald's, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a sight of pure enjoyment. Oh, I I love it. I love it so much because it's like, because it's horrible. So, but it's still, so it's horrible for you. And they're like terrible. They're destroying the environment. There's all this, like, it's a, it's a sight of like pure jouissance. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so anyway, so me, 
acknowledging the enjoyment that I have into like I I have softened it as and I don't have it all the time like and I the, right. so I'm I'm wasting less like I don't have them like aluminum cans aren't all over the place or whatever, um, right. but I do. Uh, but it does come out right that enjoyment when like I'm just because and I'll, I'll look for any excuse like if I'm a little bit hungry if I am a little bit hungry and I'm close to home but I'm passing one of the two McDonald's that are near where I live I'll, I'll go yeah. there and like as long as it's not I haven't done it already that week I will allow myself to do that <laughs> so uh, once a week so but yeah probably yeah if I, and I but see I think know. actually isn't it interesting that there is also enjoyment in the restriction. Yes. Oh, I completely. Right. Yeah. So there, there's great. something. Yeah. It's not just that you enjoy the transgression of the restriction. Yes. You also enjoy the restriction itself. I mean, this is isn't the classic case, the medieval monk who you know deprives himself of everything. Like yeah. that's the like there's enjoy, like how do you how do you manage to deprive yourself? Like well because you in, and this it sort of reminds me of Lacan's definition of the anorexic. Like they yeah. they enjoy eating nothing. Yeah. Right? Like you, that's the you eat the nothing. Right. That's you eat the nothing. You're not eating nothing. You eat the nothing. Right. So so you get a double thing with McDonald's and Coke. Right. Like you (laughs) on the one hand, you get the transgressions, but then you also get the enjoyment of the restriction that you place on yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I know, well, this is a lot. You know, I'm not going to go home and have another Coke. I'm not even going to do it. Probably not going to do it again that that week because I've I've hit up the limit. You know, and uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So enjoyment. Uh, but what I think what, what's interesting. OK, I think the, the, the key point to me is that there is no just pure unmediated enjoyment. Like n- enjoyment mm-hmm. is always mediated through the through loss mm-hmm. or limit because there, you don't you can't just enjoy life. Right, yeah. like that's what it means to be a speaking subject. <laughs> that's pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty funny. Like maybe animals. I don't think we know, but maybe animals can just enjoy life. But I think he, to be a speaking subject means you can't just enjoy life. Like you have to introduce. Like it's because what you're enjoying is the lost object, mm. right? Like you're always enjoying the lost object. That's why putting the limit or self-sacrifice, all these things are the way that enjoyment works. Because mm-hmm. what you're enjoying is is loss itself. Mm. Hmm. That's really nice. Right? I think that's very, I think that's, yeah. that's very, very clear. Um, Which is why it also has to be unconscious. Like it can't be a conscious, like you can't try to lose. No. <laughs> it tries to lose, right? You're trying to win. So Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, Speaking, okay. That's a good transition to, just <laughs> to the great winner of today's, uh, in today's popular imagination, Donald Trump, yeah, right? And right, his, right. his, his supporters. So we don't want to talk about Trump, I think, because that's no, it, he's a boring. lot less interesting. I do. I would have you. I would ask you. I mean, I, I know you're about to get into something, so I want you to say what you're going to say. But um, I know I know you've said this on on other people's podcasts, and I think you've, you've written about this a little bit. But um, people, when analyzing, even like psychoanalyzing in a very layman popular way, um, they are often led to describe his appeal as like the id Freud's id gone wild. Right. And I think that you, um, are, I I would hope well known for, for saying that what his appeal is, is actually that of the superego. And I would like for you to talk, talk about that a little, just a little bit. Yeah. So, so I'm not, I'm actually not sure if it's possible to embody a pure id, you know, like that, I mean, it's, which is tied to what I was saying about, sort of the necessity of mediation and how that how that works. Mm-hmm. But because I think the pure the notion of a pure ed suggests that you're just this pure life impulse or life inst life drive. Maybe drive's the wrong, drive is the wrong word, mm-hmm. but some pure life vital impulse. And I mm-hmm. think that doesn't exist. But so superego, what's fascinating is that Lacan's I think this is one of his major, major like objet ah and like redefinition of superego mm-hmm. as the compulsion to enjoy. Like yeah. this, he said, there's only one thing that commands enjoyment. That's the superego. This yeah. is in seminar 20. Mm. So, uh, so I think that that's, and I think, isn't he the great example of that? And yeah. I think that his, his support, like at those, I was just watching, this will date when we recorded this, I was sure. <laughs> watching a rally in West Virginia last night. <laughs> My, Hillary was my spouse was like, what, what, the, what are you doing? I said, it's very, you can learn a lot from these rallies. They're, they're very instructive. She's like, I don't want to learn that. Yeah. Uh, 
No, she said, yeah, it's true. You could learn a lot, but God, you have to, you have to suffer through a lot of pain. But, um, <laughs> but what's fascinating is that he basically, those rallies are just, and he, he, I think he really gets off on them mm-hmm. because he's commanding people to enjoy themselves yeah. and they're responding. They reciprocate with enjoyment of, they enjoy him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like they're enjoying just Trump himself. And he's just like, it's, it's funny because he's not, at, he's, He's he's like their tool. Yeah. He's the tool for their enjoyment at those things. It's not like he's manipulating them. No, 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 no. They're it's if anything, they're manipulating him. Like they're mm-hmm. they're like, you know, they're cheering when he says, you know, these I'm, I you know, I mean and and what's fascinating is and this is actually getting to the other point about the way he's mobilized enjoyment in his spectators, yeah. is that the more he doesn't tell the truth or says things that are clearly kind of at odds with what's really happening like last night he said we've already we've got the ball almost totally built i'm like (laughs) (laughs) that's not true true. and they just they go crazy yeah yeah and it's not like they're stupid they know that it's not built yeah but but the part of what this obvious lie gets is that you you you're forced to sacrifice your own investment in what the truth is you know and that so 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 there's a way in which your devotion to someone increases when they're when they're lying. Yeah, that's, I think. that's super interesting, you know? and I love the point that. I know. Do you buy that? Do I do buy. buy that? I, I think it, I do. Yeah. I think I do buy that. Well, because it, it it's um well because it's easy if someone's if someone's telling the truth and someone's like a purely ethical person, I would say that it's quite easy to uh, to to follow them and i would say it's actually like i mean maybe even maybe boring i mean this isn't this why isn't this oh, why that's su- the key isn't this yeah, why su- i think superman is like the most boring superhero and he yeah. has to do something wrong to be interesting he has to transgress some code of of like he has to kill zod at the end of Superman of the of the the recent reboot that they did like but even that one's crap it's the, terrible the only but, superman interesting is superman 2 when he has this kind of choice of, you know, can I be human and have sex or do I retain my purity? Yeah. Right? Like that's the, yeah. but I think you're right. Like his, his, and he always tells the truth. Yeah. Right? So that, yeah, I think that makes it harder to invest yourself in him. Whereas I think like when we watch these cop shows on TV and invest in the cops, yeah. one of the ways in which they're effective as cops or as detectives is lying. Oh, totally. Right. Like, like you can't solve a crime without li- like you lie to the person you're questioning just by misleading or whatever. You know, like like in order, to, it's funny. Like in order to solve crimes, cops have to act like criminals, right? And and mm-hmm. I think one of the things they do is lie, and then and that's that lying is part of the source of our investment in them. And I think that's true, right down the line. Yeah. Like the, that why you invest in a leader is not the truth that they tell it's the it's the little transgression mm-hmm. of lying or whatever the transgression is so it comes back to the enjoyment question i think like trump is so full of transgression mm-hmm. that it makes it very easy for people to identify with him and 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 enjoy through him yes like i i mean we I, we were talking about this we've talked about this many times but no one has ever enjoyed through hillary clinton no not because she's a woman and he's a man but i, I mean obviously that had a factor and that was a factor in the election but yeah I think it's more that she's such a technocrat that you can't, technocracy is not enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, right? it, I, I don't think, I think that the, the lack of enjoyment in the Clinton campaign reached its zenith with Tim Kaine as the running mate, because like, oh my God, who's, who's that guy? Like that, the ultimate, the ultimate, uh, you know, dry, uncooked piece of white toast that I think exists in the Democratic Party and like that. And of course they would have been excellent at governing. Like obviously, like we're not saying that. Fine, and of course, right. the, the world we would have been at war in Syria, but that's a whole other. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right, right. But no, yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point, Ryan, about Kane, because you know, and and Clinton defended him by saying, "Well, no, 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 he's like a quirky guy. He plays the harmonica." <laughs> to me, like, isn't isn't a guy who's like whatever he is, fifty, whatever. Yeah. Who whose like main characteristic is that he plays the harmonica? I mean, no offense. To the I mean, whenever you say no offense, you're offending. You're offending. No of offense course. to the harmonica players. Yeah. yeah. But my God, if that's your defining characteristic, you you're not a figure of enjoyment. No, like no, no. one enjoys playing the harmonica. No, right? You can have you take pleasure in it. Yeah, yeah, right. But there, it's for one different. thing, there's not enough suffering that goes into becoming a good harmonica player. Do Do you know this is reminding me? 
Do you know this really famous thing? Teresa May was asked in an interview, what's the naughtiest thing she's ever done? Do you, do you know her response? No, no, I don't know. What it it is. is so funny, Todd. She said she ran naked through a field of wheat. Oh, my God. Which um, Kara, my uh, my partner, she had the great line on this. She said it makes her a Thatcher in the rye. <laughs> She's like one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. That is really, that's probably her funniest slide she'll ever say in her entire life. And now it's recorded. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've never yeah. said, I've never ever said anything more clever than that. I thought that was, yeah, like, that's really, really, that's, I mean, it's clever and funny. Most things that are clever aren't funny. That's, that's true. That's pretty good. Well, but anyway, yeah. anyway so, but, um, th- Teresa, why it's so great is like Teresa May seems to come off as like a Tim Kaine like figure and it's right. just totally bereft of enjoyment, totally bereft of enjoyment, totally bereft. And, but, and for her to say, for her to say, this running naked through a field of weed it just like it just it just sticks out there <laughs> and um right yeah, yeah that it's a that's real it's a real bone in the throat so anyway uh, yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah no it's it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> um so i think i mean if we want to talk about like the trump's success it, it seems to me it it stems totally from this ability to mobilize the enjoyment of all these people mm-hmm. in a way you know so a lot of things are tied together like lying but also like i mean the isn't the main way he mobilizes their enjoyment is through, and this was evident when I was watching last night is through the immigration question. Yeah. Right. Like that, like this ties, but we were talking about the master signifier last, last time, but that, that, that the, he gets them to enjoy exclusion. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's what he, that's basically what he's, He's, I think he sells that more than anything. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's funny that because I, I was thinking like, how many people in West Virginia are really happy about this tax cut? Because he brought that up, you know, like, oh, I got the tax cut. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and they barely cheered. Yeah, he's like, we got the tax cut passed, and there's barely a ripple of applause. Well, just it's, a couple of, you know, there's no millionaires there. That's a great. Just, well, that's a great uh, example. I wanted to, I wanted to get back to this. Like your point that um, he needs the crowd more than they need him. That's a perfect example. Like, like right. they don't need, they don't need a, a, a rich, you know, a, a white guy, like giving tax breaks to other rich white guys. Like they don't right. need that. Cause they're, that's not them, you know? Like, so right. he, so, although yeah. don't you think that there maybe is a little enjoyment for them in the fact that they're getting these tax cuts are going through that are totally destroying their self-interest as, cause it's mostly working class. Yeah. I'm, people at this at this thing yeah it's probably so so they get enjoyment from the the, the self-destruction yeah it's that's, like like yeah like yeah i mean i think that's what it's a great advantage of conservative and even further right parties i think is that they can really mobilize people's i mean like most leftist parties have to try to get people to act in their self-interest it's really hard to do yeah yeah that's you know? no yeah i think I think I'm probably taking this from you uh, that you said this from before that like people, people bemoan. I mean, people on the, on the left, they bemoan the uh, voters voting against their self-interest, but it's more the case that voters don't like, they almost always, I think you just put it, put it well. They almost always vote against their self-interest. They, they, yeah, yeah, they need to be corralled and like, it needs to be so obvious that this is in your self-interest because it's very, it's easy. I don't even know if it, I don't even know if then they could do it. Yeah. Even then they could do I it. I don't even know if then I think that you yeah. still have to like, mobilize your like think about roosevelt like he Mm -hmm. mobilized people's enjoyment about what it was to be american and he kind of redefined yeah that Mm -hmm. you know and then that and then like it meant taking care so that's 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 the that's enjoyment right Mm -hmm. like that's and and he didn't just say like oh it's in your self-interest to vote for social security Mm -hmm. or you know other kinds of uh, public works projects so you'll have a job he, inst- I mean, although that's a probably extreme example mm-hmm. because they're clear, so clearly people's self-interest was at, yeah. at stake. Yeah, right, right, yeah. yeah. W- w- after, the, after the Depression, maybe maybe just like after the depression, that was yeah. such a yeah. rupture that you could restructure. But it could have gone the other, it did go the other way, though, in Germany. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, it, I don't think it, I don't think you know which way it's going to go. I don't think you ever know based on the, the actual hmm. facts which, which way it's going to go. I mean, to me, that's the great lesson of of Germany versus the United States during the Depression. Yeah, right? like they're just they just went in totally opposite directions. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we we talked about this before. Like the um, well, I mean, this gets back. I mean, this gets to Trump's appeal, right? Is that like y- you national socialism is the is the response is the that's the right 
as in conservative, the as in the right wing response to that to that same situation, which is the same situation. Yeah, right? yeah, it's like right. yeah. So it's uh, and it because it's 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 about it's about finding a and and it's about finding an other and and exploiting that. I mean that gets back to the immigration right now in America, and this is probably why you can make the tax cuts popular because it's like, uh well the rich people deserve their money they're not the person they're they are not taking money from me you trump voter might think it's these immigrants who come here illegally because they're on my level because the rich people are not they're not on my level so that doesn't even concern me when it's very much does (laughs) like well the the other thing is i think what's fascinating this ties to the enjoyment uh and politics question don't you think that we don't have an image of the rich as enjoying at our expense? No, in the I, way think that that you're, do, I think you're right, yeah. Right, like the immigrant is enjoying at our expense. Yeah. Whereas the rich, they're not even, like, we don't get these, like, I mean, there's a little bit in the Manafort trial, but there's not yeah. that much, like, bombarding of us with the ostentatious enjoyment well, of the but wealthy. Well, but you know what? Right? The Manafort trial, it's great that you brought that up. That judge who could not have been kinder to Manafort, who <laughs> said at one point... What, I think he was Russian or something. Yeah, yeah. right. must have been. Uh, <laughs> who said at one point that uh, to the prosecutions, um, like just showing like what he spent his ill-gotten money on like uh, ill gotten booty yeah the yeah. booty yeah he said that he just stopped them and said it's not a crime to be rich and right. Right. and that is so i mean the way that he See, was rich think, is a criminal is, and i think it, i think it is like i think the rich person as the criminal taking advantage i actually think that i don't know that this is uniquely american but i think there is resistance to to thinking of rich people that way and it's funny that we I talked know. about the depression if you think about movies like um uh, like a lot of screwball comedies involve people in the upper classes and they're just like, you know, they're just a little silly. They're not taking advantage of people. Yeah. You know, I, I think yeah. about like Philadelphia story is, is a, I, yeah. I love that movie. It's a great movie, but I think that's a great example. They're just, they're just silly rich people doing their silly rich things. It doesn't have anything yeah. to do with us. They don't, they don't peddle in our world. So we shouldn't mess with theirs. And then you think about I mean, right, right now and you think about like keeping up with the Kardashians. And I think it does the same thing, which is like, Look at these self-absorbed rich people. They have nothing to do with us. They have all this money, blah, 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 blah. They're just like, look at how kind of like stupid and inoffensive and not taking advantage of us they are when in fact they... No, I know. I mean, that's we're bombarded by that ideology all the time. And we're never supposed to see the obscene jouissance of the rich. I mean, that to me was the absolute lesson of crazy rich Asians, which I just had the misfortune of seeing last week. Like the the whole point is, oh, don't worry, like... For one thing, wealth is to be, like, obscene wealth is to be admired, mm-hmm. right? And the other thing is they're just all quirky and crazy. They're not, they're, they're, it's not that they're enjoying in our stead. They just have their own little thing. Don't worry about it. It's exactly the kind of, I mean, mm. that film could have been made in the Depression, just like yeah. you said. Just yeah, like, like it wasn't as funny as yeah. Philadelphia. It wasn't nearly as funny as that, unfortunately. Um, I mean, My Man Godfrey is slightly different because sure. he kind of goes down into the, and the, you know Sullivan's travels also is a little different because yeah. it's kind of exploring. But I think you're in general. I think you're absolutely right. Mm. It's the, the way the screwball com- comedy functions ideologically is mm. to not get us thinking about the the rich as enjoying in our stead. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because I think hasn't to me to my mind that and this is in, I think it's funny that Trump has managed to mobilize all this anti-immigrant sentiment in America because usually usually in America it's racism that serves this function, mm-hmm. right? Like for whites, it's, look, black subjects are illegitimately enjoying at your expense. Sure. Right? And then and that's who you should direct all your hatred and, and rancor against. Right, yeah. Not that's, the wealthy. That's the right? appeal. Yeah, that's always the appeal. That's the appeal, yeah. right, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. right. So that's why the you know like the the capitalist stru- I I don't think capitalism and racism are identical but mm-hmm. the capitalist mm-hmm. structure relies on the racist fantasy otherwise it couldn't it couldn't it couldn't persist right mm. it just couldn't persist yeah it would break so th- it would break the world a, right I always think about that it would break the world from yeah. from Blade Runner yeah. yeah 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 I like that I mean I think it's really true and I think that ability to to not see I mean how do we not see 
the obscene enjoyment of the rich and def- and connect that to ourselves. I mean, that's the yeah. other thing. Like if we see, like there used to be that lifestyles of the rich and famous, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, but it only served to keep to think of that as a separate a separate world. world. That's exactly yeah. And I think too. Do you do you think um, that part of part of the the issue in America, right, is is that you know that old Steinbeck quote that there there's not a proletariat in America that just temporarily embarrassed millionaires. That that this that part of the soft attitude toward to the rich is like the unconscious um, uh, wunsch that that well someday that could be me and I don't want my money taken away or so. I wonder if if, the, if that no it, I understand it, that yeah. and I think that's a pretty good theory except I would say it's even. You know, like this, this, the, the way that um, there's this amazing opposition in the country. Like you do a poll, like mm-hmm. to the to the estate tax. Yeah. Even if you're, even if you tell people that will not apply to you, and it will never apply to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. They still are against it. Yeah. More than fifty percent, right? Mm-hmm. So why is that? I think it's because they identify with people of wealth, even if they don't imagine they'll ever be that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of. I mean, I don't, I'm tempted to say a lot of Trump support functions in that way. Like, no one thinks they're ever going to be like him. No, but they identify with with his what they think is his extravagant. That's why I think he doesn't want the tax returns exposed because maybe he's not. He as doesn't have that much. He, yeah, I think that's totally. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it, more than potential connections yeah, yeah. to I don't think money laundering, crime, I, yeah, mafia. Yeah. I don't think he cares about that. Yeah. I think because yeah. in a certain way, connections to the mafia that just. That that builds his support. I agree it's with. Like, I think it would because that thing that he said. I mean, he uh, unfortunately has the I think the best line on his appeal, which is he could shoot someone and he would get probably more support. I, and he he's totally right about that. And yeah, more support. More. I support. think that has to be yeah. underlined. Yeah. That it has to be more support. More support. If he, like the like the crimes add to the support. People and I, people I think, would say finally he killed someone. <laughs> like that would be. Yeah. Like, yeah, or the guy deserved it. Yeah, or, obviously. Know, like, yeah, right. That would be the, yeah. the explanation. But it's. I think it's. I mean, he really. I think there, there's so much instructive in living in a time with him because he's such a figure of this obscene enjoyment, and you see how he's able to mobilize people in a tremendous way. Mm. I mean, it's fascinating because I do. I do think that there there are leftist alternative, you know, possibilities. Yeah, but I do think they have to involve mobilizing people's enjoyment not just appealing to their self-interest like i think that just can't you know people are just not gonna you know consciously i think you have to tell them that you're i mean he even does that he consciously says i'm appealing to your self-interest like immigrants are taking your job right right it doesn't matter how untrue it is yeah Yeah. it doesn't matter if it's untrue right in fact it helps if it's untrue yeah it helps if it's untrue yeah right that's i think a point that we want to insist on in in this particular podcast the which i think i think trips up um liberals all the time is like how can people believe this when there's so much evidence to the contrary and and it's like the the structure is the structure is the same as people who who don't vaccinate their kids it's the it's the right. right. It really you will never. And I, I think I've said this before, like uh, I love I think more and more one one of Freud's most relevant ideas is in wild psychoanalysis, which is that information does not cure the symptom like you. Yeah. You cannot educate. You cannot educate uh, people enough like you cannot put put um information in front of their face to be like this thing that he said these are all lies look at all these lies because we do that every like every website everybody does it it does that and it doesn't hurt the appeal because the appeal is operating at this other level it's operating at this level of enjoyment which is like what we're talking about enjoyment and which in which which works with the sacrifice of truth not not (laughs) it's not refuted by truth (laughs) yeah yeah like it's the the more you have to sacrifice truth the more you're enjoying so the so so you add up more facts yeah it doesn't like i i mean i love the i love the example of the of the vaccination my my father-in-law i he's a great guy and i'm gonna but i'm gonna say something (laughs) about he's a great guy but when that i mean i don't think he would even mind what i'm saying okay uh (laughs) when that Remember the refutation study out of England came out? Oh, yeah. About the vaccine, which was like, it's thorough, it's totally, there's absolutely no connection with autism. I said, Mm -hmm. I said, God, what about this study? I said, that kind of gives the quietest to your, your, vaccination paranoia he's like well who do you think funded that stuff <laughs> right. don't be naive yeah. don't be naive yeah you know, right. it was just there's just no, no. possibility 
because so much enjoyment is wrapped up into mm-hmm. you know this the the paranoia about vaccines that you could, like mm-hmm. the, I, the the idea that a fact could disrupt it. You know, it's interesting because this yeah. comes from Spinoza. He says only in I think this is maybe his greatest point. Mm-hmm. Only an emotion can counter an, an emotion. Yeah. Fact cannot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that is, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. Like you only can be countered by some other force of enjoyment. Yeah. I've, that, that is going to, yeah. No, that's awesome. I've always, I wonder what you think of this. I don't know if I've said this to you before, but about the, the vaccine thing, and I wonder if there's a parallel that could be brought into the um, political situation. But I, I've always thought that like, what people do online is they just post arguments they've had with people who are against vaccination and how idiotic they are because they are like, it's just, it's just, it's just stupid. Like that, that it is, it is dumb to like the only reason why, like really the only real reason why you could be against vaccinations is that it's been so long since anybody has seen what not vaccinating people has done. That's really the only, like that's the ground from which, this idea can right. even come from is that it's been so successful that you think it's unnecessary and there must be some conspiracy. Or don't you think, or the other reasonable position would be, this is a completely horrible, ethic, yeah. ethically horrible position, but would be, well, I want a vaccines to continue for everybody else, yeah. but I want to benefit from the collective immunity. So I'm not going to let my children be vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. Mean, yeah. Like, I guess that, that, I mean, that's a reasonable, that's not an unreasonable position because there's a certain risk. Yeah. Entailed in vaccination. So it's not unreasonable. It's horrible. Yeah. And I don't think you could make it as an argument to someone because the other person would just say, like, screw you. I, I You're a horrible person. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, so this is sort of, actually so what ahead. you're saying is sort of what, uh, is, is what I was going to get at, which is I think that the, the anti-vaccination, where it comes from is, you are telling me science. There, there are two things here. You are telling me that there's, I'm a new parent and there's nothing I can do to prevent my child from getting autism, which also has been like radicalized as a death sentence by culture. Like I think that our understanding in general about what autism is or means is really, really bad. So there are two things working in concert. You, you have new parents being told, look, this could just happen. And they're in there. We, we don't know. And, and so anybody saying with a magic bean scenario, right, that they know what the secret is and here's how you can prevent this from happening, while also it being in an era where this is like a, a, a death sentence for a child and, and, it, and it's too much to for as a parent, which is like, I mean, again, like, you know, this is like a, a, another uneducated position about raising someone with, with, with autism or whatever. But like, I think that's where it comes from. So if the if instead of throwing facts and information at people who are thinking of not vaccinating their child, instead, you, I don't know, you say like, you're afraid that this is going to happen. Well, like th- you you don't you don't need to be like like not you don't need to be because it's not going to happen but like you speak to that person at the level of the, their emotional investment in it not yeah. at the level yeah. of this like uh, the the factual inaccuracy I, I don't know what do you think about that like that- no I think it's absolutely true I think it's absolutely true like it it I mean it's interesting to me how uh, enjoyment latches on to these moments of anxiety. That's interesting. Right? Like that, that's what you're saying. Yeah, that, yeah. That mm-hmm. there's a moment of anxiety about this thing that is I can't do anything about because I just can't. Yeah. And then enjoyment kind of latches on to that, and then I develop this paranoid theory. Yeah. Or other people have developed it, and I I accept it, yeah. and then that that it 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 both makes me feel good, but it, the idea that I'm like, I mean, you get it, you can see how enjoyment functions in paranoia, right? Because mm-hmm. you get this, you get this sense that I'm. I'm transgressing the limit of normal yeah, of course. way of understanding, of right? And right. I, I'm getting the secret insight into something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm sacrificing my acceptance of the facts. Like I, I'm, yeah. my knowledge of, like I have to sacrifice my knowledge to be paranoid. Mm-hmm. I think you absolutely do. Yeah. Like that's the whole point. Even though you think like, oh, I'm really, I mean, consciously you think I'm really knowing something. Yeah, right. That's but, the conscious experience but, of it, yeah. Right, that's a conscious experience, but the unconscious is you are getting the sacrifice mm. and the enjoyment that comes from it. Yeah, yeah. Which I think again, it's a comeback. It's a fascinating, kind of. That's sort of the liberal left alternative to the Trump, um, mm. the Trump supporter, right? Like I think that there, that's where that, like in both cases, you get this, like you get you're violating a limit, and you're also 
clearly sacrificing something mm, at the same time. Mm. Yeah. So th- like, that's, I, I don't know, like, it, like, so how, I, I mean, it's such a great, I mean, I think it's just such a great answer to like anyone for it being confusing, like the, appe- the appeal of, of Trump and the lies of the right or whatever. It's like you have people who think they're like mainlining the secret truth of the universe. So why, yeah. why would they, why would that, why would they have time for your facts? <laughs> like that, um, that cast things in such a, you know, it's like, I mean, I think flat earthers is another good example. I mean, it's not worth going through, but it's like the, it's the same thing, which is like, you know, you just, you just come up with this structure of like these kind of these like explanations for things that everyone disagrees with. And that disagreement reinforces your belief for like narcissistic reasons, but also that you are now the maverick and like in, you know, like, like how much of history, like is, is sort of taught in this, like, um, in this idea of like, Oh, everyone said this one thing was wrong, but this one person saw the truth. Galileo, for example, Galileo, you know, right. Yeah, and, yeah, and so yeah. the structure of the, of like the one person who, who is, uh, like the one sane person, right. In the, in the world of crazy people. I mean like yeah. that, that, that's a, that's an attractive scenario. And so that's the, that's the, the, the Trump supporter is the sane person in a world gone crazy. Look at, I mean, you can even like, look at like the titles, I think I was in a CVS and they had like 10 books. Like they, there were 10 books at the CVS and one of them was a yeah. book by Michael Savage that was like about how sugar- he's a, he's a right wing disc jockey, right? Like right. Yeah. Radio. Yeah. Yeah. And the book, I for, I forget the title, but it was like, Oh, Oh, um, like American, like, like Mecca or something like that. And it was like how obviously Sharia law is going to come to America, which is one of these, you know, these, these fantasies, uh, on, on the right that, um, again, another like mainlining of the, of the secret truth of the universe or so they think. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I love that one because it's so clear that they enjoy the idea of Sharia law coming to America, right? Like, which is absurd, of course, but, Mm -hmm. but like there's something enjoyable about that idea of, of, of a uh, fundamentalist Islamic takeover, which is of course everything. I mean, that's the, I think that's what's fascinating to me is that everything, and this seems to me to be a fundamental lesson of Freud that, and psychoanalysis, that, that the things that you are consciously proclaiming that you dread, you're, yeah. it's not that you unconsciously wish for them. It's that you unconsciously enjoy their, their possibility mm-hmm. as you're consciously dreading them. They sustain right? like you. That, I, they sustain you. Yeah, yeah. They sustain you. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I think what's fascinating is that capitalism couldn't function with all this, out all this other, like the enjoyment that capitalism gives, I don't think is enough mm-hmm. to sustain people without this other political kind of, you know, background, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like race, yeah. immigration, all these other things like nation. I don't think it's enough. I think that people would, I think they would just end up being too, they would see that there's something fundamentally not satisfying about the commodity mm-hmm. and they would or or satis- they they would see through the illusory satisfaction of the commodity mm-hmm. and and would and there would be some kind of change social arrangement but i think those other things like nation race ethnicity i think they sus- religion i think they sustain they help to sustain the capitalist mm. universe and the the investment and in, in that yeah the investment of, yeah. in it yeah. 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 yeah that's interesting i think that's true yeah uh, yeah i mean I, yeah oh no no i think um one of the i mean one of the reasons why we bring this up is uh like enjoyment as a, a political factor to uh not to coin a phrase um is <laughs> no, to steal a phrase to steal a phrase from, actually from um Slavoj, yeah, yeah from slavery yeah um enjoyment as a, as a political factor is one of the things that almost always falls out of uh of political discourse and it's um when we're talking about sort of like the the appeal of of trump or trump supporters um or how Trump sustains himself, uh, it's it usually comes through uh, the way that it enters into discourse, not through enjoyment, uh, through political discourse. It's usually like it's a discourse of power, right? Like yeah. this is even even academically, this is much more popular than talking. Oh, much more popular. Yeah, than talking about yeah. enjoyment. And so this was one of the things that, that we wanted to talk about was like enjoyment as an explanation that does uh, that explains things in a way that that power can't. I wonder if you'd speak to that. Yeah, I think so. So let's let's sort of 
historicize, which we're both uh-huh. to do. Yeah. Yeah. But I think this whole power, di- so it, it, it originally, I think, comes from Nietzsche. Sure. Like, if you read Nietzsche, it's very clear that he wants to use power as a universal key to explain everything. Mm-hmm. And then, and which he, which, interestingly, he kind of aligns with his version of the unconscious. Like, he thinks we're unconsciously driven by power, but consciously driven by morality or something. I see. Yeah, yeah. But I think... I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a pretty sophomoric understanding of the unconscious. Like, mm-hmm. I think that the that what's that Freud is right that what is unconscious is actually our self destruction, and and we can easily consciously seek power. I don't think that I don't think there's mm-hmm. anything unconscious about the 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 will to power mm-hmm. or the 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 idea that we're seeking power. And then so anyway, so then then Foucault in the you know early seventies up through when he died in nineteen eighty four brings power really into academic explanations into all disciplines, many disciplines, many mm-hmm. social science disciplines and humanities disciplines. And then power becomes this thing. What's interesting is he kind of moralizes Nietzsche. So power mm-hmm. becomes this thing to avoid. Right. You know, power becomes a bad, like Nietzsche didn't think it was bad. He thought it was great. <laughs> you know, power is what sustains life for mm-hmm. Nietzsche. But I think Foucault sees it as, a, like he sees all these micro- not microorganisms, micro workings of power. Mm -hmm. And he's critical of them. And he's critical about the way power and knowledge get intertwined. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and so the whole thing is a kind of critique of, a critique of power. And that, I think, is where we still are, that we, there's this, this sense that power is the problem and we need to undo power wherever we can. And I Mm -hmm. think that just... I don't think power, I don't think anyone has ever done anything for power. Yeah. That's what I'll say. I mean, I think that's a, that, that's probably a crazy statement because it's, it's too, <laughs> if it's too absolute, broad. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's too broad, but I really don't, I think that that is the, that is the basic lesson of psychoanalysis that we think we're acting for power. No, 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 no. It's some other we're reason. We're acting, yeah. we're acting for our enjoyment. For like our we're enjoyment. acting yeah. for, we're satisfying ourselves through what we're doing. And that satisfaction depends on not, not only not being in power, but in some way impairing our power. Yeah. Like that's that's what I find fascinating. That I think it's like the unconscious is is driven by exactly the opposite logic of consciousness. I think and and mm-hmm. consciousness can be geared around power, but the unconscious is geared around enjoyment. And I think that if you mm. understand that, then all of a sudden everything looks kind of different. You are actually mainlining the secret truth of the universe. In that yeah. case. Um, the, well, cause I, Good job turning our little critique back on us. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, yeah. I think that when people uh, talk about, uh, or, you know, in political discourse, uh, like people are driven by, by power. I, it always, to go back to a superhero example, I think it always takes the shape of the superhero villain of it's like, like Thanos, like I'm going to get all the infinity gems on my glove and I'm going to, I'm going to finally have the power that I want. And, and I think that, yes, that guy, he's driven by power. Like he's a fictional character in a fictional. Yeah, but it's a completely imaginary. That's why those villains are all like Hitchcock, the smartest thing he ever said was the villain makes the picture, yeah. right? And and that's why those superhero films are so terrible. Like the villain, this is the one, I think, great thing of Black Panther is it had a really good, I mean, the villain should have been the hero, <laughs> but uh, the, in other words, the the black revolutionary should have should been, have the, been hero, the hero. Should have been the hero, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, understand. not the, I understand. who cares about the, yeah, yeah. Um, but But that was the one that had a good, villain right but the rest of them my god like the villains are usually indestructible and mm-hmm. they're just driven by power yeah like oh power 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 i just want more power. i want to rule the world <laughs> yeah i mean no one wants to rule the world this is be boring it sucks <laughs> you know like no one wants to i just think it, that's not why that people don't want that i mean they may want it if you think of want like you did you earlier mentioned wunsch if yeah. you mentioned yeah if you think of want in opposition to desire yeah Okay, they want it, but they don't desire it. Mm-hmm. Like no one desires that. No. Like even to, I mean, not to not to go back to Trump no, ad okay. infinitum, but no, like he's constantly self-destructing. His like if he's driven for power, he's doing a bad job. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he could have been much more powerful yeah. if he'd have just like not done what he did, not not keep saying the things that are undermining himself. Like yeah. it, you know, like it, like so I don't so I think that's an absolutely crucial thing. I think 
the whole power explanation stems from Foucault. Mm-hmm. And I think we've, we're in the midst of a, what Joan Kopchak would call a mass Foucauldinization of, of theory yeah. right? or of, of thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's because, it, I mean, that, that idea of Foucault's is, um, is so popular. And I think I'm, I don't know if I said this on a previous episode or not, but I, it's one of those things that if you pushed the people who ardently, uh, believe it i think to the the logical conclusion of that i I don't think they they would really believe it like if you if 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 power is uh productive and it's not i mean i I believe somewhere in uh history of sexuality he he, foucault says that it doesn't have to be coercive it is often coercive but it but like right but there are things that are you know and i think that's actually what people say is they don't want power to be coercive you can't get rid of power there's always power like i think that that's a that's a Foucauldian position um and that you know things arise as an inevitable production of power and i think if you push the Foucauldian like so and i definitely did say this so history of sexuality that was the inevitable production of just forms of power that were circulating and Foucault happened to be the person that wrote that and I don't believe that. I think that's a that's a that book is um, is a, is a, is a rupture. And this is why at the end of his career he starts to think rupture, um, and right. it, you know it, to try to well, this is this is the, the courage of truth. I talked about that before, and some of the other things like hermeneutics of the subject. Like this is the end of his career. He, he tries to he tries to come up with an idea for the, for for the radical act because you know right. when you if you have accepted that everything is just power and it's just circulating and you know there's really it, it it leads to a kind it leads to a brand of cynicism and it leads to like Slav always talked about this with um like lion king is a is a Foucauldian kind of cynicism where it's just the circle of life and where where yeah. you know these things happen and there's really like not much we can do about it because they're happening through us and so we're in this we're on this Almost like, um, I don't know, the consolation of philosophy or like Boethius, right? Like fortune's wheel. We're at like we're at one part of 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 the wheel and now we're going to be at another one. And yeah, but I think that's absolutely right, Ryan. But what's fascinating to me is I think that's the implication of the Foucauldian position. But the contemporary Foucauldians do not think that <laughs> like they're totally cool. engaged yeah, in right. political activity yeah right totally. exactly exactly they think that that's i mean that's the point thank you for like getting there like f- like for me like the, yeah they they would think sorry that I, they, you were no, gonna no, get there no no no, no, no it's great i mean it might have taken forever who knows but the yeah um he yeah that's right they they think that they write about that but that's not how they act like who so it's like so then because the that's the conclusion would be like oh so don't go to protest because eventually this will be over it's like no of course not you know, like, I mean, and that's why Foucault himself is driven toward the radical act. Because I don't know. I think, I mean, he never wrote this. I mean, I'm putting words in, in his head, but I'm, I am I feel like it must have struck him at some point that, like, I'm not really giving a way out, like, in, 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 in some of these situations. Well, I think it struck him in the sense that he wrote volume two and three of History of Sexuality, right? Like, yeah. the, like all of a sudden, he had had this plan of what he was going to do, and then he totally deviated from it yeah. to find to theorize a subject, right? Like that's what he goes back to Greece to look for is mm. a, is a subject is a form of subjectivity that wouldn't be subjected to law. I mean, that's the, like if, if it, it, I think in the, in the, in the big picture, what he's really, and I think to the contemporary Foucauldians, what he's really allergic to is law. Yeah. And that's, that's why right. he likes subjectivity of this kind of self molding subjectivity of the Greeks, that yeah. it's, it's not subjected initially subjected to law before it, it creates itself. It just kind of creates itself. That's why he loves Socrates, and like at the end. That's why he yeah. loves Socrates, right? Yeah. And, and I think that 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 in some sense, like that's where, and like law is of course intimately tied to enjoyment because it's wrapped up in its transgression. And I think that's part of what he doesn't. You know, he wants to get out of that whole dialectic. I mm-hmm. think, and that's the that's that's where the problem lies. Mm. You know, then and he doesn't see the way in which there's that. I think this is the main blind spot is that he doesn't see in this composition the way in which it's a law that sets us free actually. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. you know, law isn't 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 
first of all constraining, it's first of all freeing, and the constraining, if it's constraining too, but it constrains us into freedom. You know? Yeah, right, yeah, I'll give just like a lame example of that would be like the, uh, you know, I said this in our pre-show chat, like the, for me, ser- the serving size uh, of cookies on any package is to tell you when like so you have now a baseline for what is going to constitute enjoyment no one has two cookies everyone has like oh my god i just had a whole sleeve like that's what everyone that's what everyone does and it's too much and you feel bad and you think it's a guilty pleasure whatever you think is a guilty pleasure that's that's enjoyment there's no such thing that's enjoyment yeah Yeah, that's really good yeah and i and, and 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 that shows the tie between law like the law that you're you're overcoming i think but but just i'm sorry to get back to to the Foucauldian position like i feel like i feel like that the that the dominance of that is is so ubiquitous today Mm -hmm. that power becomes the explanation for everything and then that does two things it 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 eliminates any reference to the unconscious because there's never it's foreclosed the way in which yeah it's just yeah Right, right, right. That's really good. That's well put. Yeah. And then it also makes that that enjoyment never is is a political factor. Right, mm-hmm. like that's what that's. It seems like I don't know. I mean, I hate to. I don't want to villainize Foucault, but I sure. do feel like that, that that there is this kind of clear theoretical opposition, um, you know, at, at work today. Yeah, um, I don't know how to. I don't know how to think of it otherwise. But. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I think that for. I, I think that there are I don't know there's certain there's there's merits to 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 some of his uh, investigatory uh, matrix, but the the suspicion of of hermeneutics and the foreclosure of an unconscious I think uh, is a ba- is a bad it's a bad thing for theory it makes theory less theoretical it makes it less of a um it makes it even less critical I mean and it, it sort of it end, and then it ends up becoming ideological and you get things like uh, surface reading, right? Which is like, right. there's nothing right. going on underneath right. the text, just to talk about this very briefly, but there's just what's going on on the surface. And it's almost, and then it's almost like in a, in a, in a way like one, I mean, no one, nobody, nobody who's at a Trump rally is, has read like Sharon Marcus on surface reading. Like I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that, but they, <laughs> that's how they, that's how they, that's how they experience Trump. What he maybe t- they all have that in their pocket yeah they have it in their pocket yeah sure <laughs> yeah is it th- that's what they have in their pocket it is it well as an idea is like well you know yeah. how i know what's the truth because he said it and there's like a d- yeah. and and the people who are who are uh, trying to go this other layer under it is like the, the these people are are wrong they're trying to take it down dear leader and they are looking for you basically they're engaging in a hermeneutics where it doesn't uh i'm sorry if that term for any listeners uh unfamiliar but like like basically looking like a like a detective like looking for something underneath the surface like that that that, that isn't there because it's this total yeah. it's this acceptance acceptance of the surface that is also um going on that i, I think partially sometimes the the trump supporter and i think you also have that movement this is you have a parallel movement in uh in theory with the same thing which, which like you know, on the one hand, though, people are trying to argue for it as like a an intellectual thing, like to like just to accept the surface. But it's I mean, I don't know. It's a total ideological notion is like, don't just just take just take the, the top layer. That's what what people say. That's like what it is. It's like a it's like Ayn Rand. Right. It's like, like a equals right. a kind of thing. Like a equals a. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think it's also impossible. Like, I don't yeah. think I mean, I don't think like the the. There isn't, there never just as the top, like you're always performing all kinds of interpretive moves just to take something literally. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's, that's a great. It's a, yeah, no, I, that's, I just, that's, that's really, really well put. I just find that a, it's just such a, I just think it's a patently absurd position that yeah. doesn't even almost need to be talked about, although it does, people are talking about it. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what you could say. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I do feel like that this whole opposition between, that there's a lot at stake in this opposition between power and enjoyment. And I think the, what makes me saddest, I guess, is that the left seems to view everything through the lens of power mm-hmm. and the right views everything through the lens of enjoyment. And so the right kind of has it correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like even if they're 
I'm completely against them on, on their in terms of what their political program is. Mm-hmm. But in terms of their diagnosis of the psyche, yeah, it's it's much more correct. I mean, I, of course, that no one is really no one's articulating like they're not, that. They're, they're not theorizing. No, it. no they're not these right wing theorists theorizing it. But no. but in action, they're showing that that's their theory of the psyche, and I think it's much superior. And I think it accounts for the, and I so I th- I feel like academia, insofar as it's Foucauldian power-centered as an explanation, power's explanation is 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 kind of pushing the left into the wrong, you know, down the down the garden path. Like it's yeah. it's it's pushing it in the wrong direction. It's it's. Tor- I think that's a. It's toward like oh yeah no I was gonna say like it's it's toward a like a Aaron Sorkin West Wing kind of thing where like um what politics like what politics should be is we should be having dispassionate discussions of policy and yeah. who yeah. what politics will be is whosoever policy has a, a a more flawless design than someone else's and that's not that that was that's totally the like the depoliticization of politics that like you know, I, i'm just gonna say that yeah. that's that, that doesn't sound like politics no it's me. not yeah <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like running a government yeah. that's fine yeah like when you're running the government fine like have the best idea run it that's fine yeah but that's not politics right you know that's like you know so i i, I think you're right like it's a sorkin was the creator of west wing right that's why, yeah. just in case somebody didn't know that yeah, yeah. um that i feel like that's the i don't know so i feel like that 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 we are in this situation where theoretically academia is pushing le- actual leftist politics politics in the wrong mm-hmm. in the wrong direction you know yeah like i think that's the that's the contemporary situation at least mm. it's it's also it also opens them up because it's so funny that like because the because the left is against power then like the 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 leaders uh tend to look weak and that's like becomes this thing this part of the appeal i think for i mean this is definitely part of part of trump's appeal even though it's literally untrue like that he but he comes off to the to the to the true believers as like this as a strong kingly figure right like yeah. like and and yeah. and it's you know like that's not I mean, we, again, it's not true. It's mythic, but it doesn't matter because, like, oh, it's such a great point, yeah. Ryan. Because don't isn't it clear how Clinton both seemed weak, right? Because she was constantly like alert, seemingly allergic to power, and right? Kane, as we talked about earlier, and Kane, right? Yeah, yeah of course, you can't forget Kane. Uh, and what's interesting is if your position is I'm allergic to all power, mm-hmm. then any taint of power. Mm-hmm. you're stained by it right like yeah. so so yeah, so that's why that's her meetings with the you know her speeches on wall street where she got seven hundred thousand dollars for per speech which yeah. is obscene mm-hmm. um then all of a sudden that's a worse thing than all than trump's all of trump's because why because she's taken a moral position against power yeah and then you clearly it's unsustainable right like everybody yeah. gets their hands dirty with power at some point mm-hmm. Right, like e- even the most, I mean, I mean, even Saint Francis, like, isn't he the maybe the best example of someone <laughs> who was like, I don't want to. He wouldn't even kill a fly because right. it was, he didn't want to exert power over it. But even he is like complicit, and if he stays at some rich person's house when he's, you know, to get out of the, you know, like, there's no way to wait. Do you mean Pope? There's Francis? no way to avoid it. What's that? You, you, Pope Francis? Not Pope Francis. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no, no. I mean the real. <laughs> okay, Francis. the real <laughs> Francis of Assisi. The, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. Okay, you know. I love, by the way, this idea. You know, Francis Pope is a Jesuit. Yeah. And so it's fascinating that he took, Fra- Fra- obviously, he could have been a Franciscan. He could have taken, he could have taken the orders under Francis, but mm-hmm. he, he was a Jesuit. And then he takes the name Francis. I find that kind of, I think it's ultimately the great, the most arrogant gesture by any Pope to, to <laughs> take the name of the most humble yeah. saint. That's kind of funny. Yeah. I, I, I see it. I see the point to take, to take the yeah. name of the most. I, I anyway, but my point, point is yeah. even he is stained by power. Even St. Francis is stained by power. There's no way to not be stained by power. And so once your political position is we're allergic to all power, we're critical of all power, yeah. then you're always going to be guilty of these little things. And then, and then, the opponent can say, "Look, they're look. I do this honestly. They're just a hypocrite." Yeah, yeah, right? and that's where the hypocrite charge becomes uh, powerful. It's true yeah. in a sense. Yeah. yeah, powerful. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Mm. Which is, which is the, yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the thing, like, that's the, the problem with, uh, uh, this is, this is one thing that fascinates me and maybe we should do a whole show on this, but like, since the main mainstream as in mainstream Democrats, which I think we all know kind of who they are, or, or your, you know, your, um, uh, Obama Democrats or Tim Kaines or Hillary Clinton's or whatever. And then your, um, Oh, I don't know. You're Paul Ryan Republicans and, and people like that. One of the huge differences uh, between them is uh, is morality. Is it is um, on sort of the the left spectrum of this? It's secular morality. On the right, it's religious morality. And you can actually see that the religious morality adopted by like some of these conservatives. I mean, they don't even believe it. And I mean, like, yeah. and and they twist like. Um, I saw a really, really great tweet from somebody that said that if, if Jesus Christ came back and ran on a uh, platform of um, empathy toward immigrants and like, uh, you know, addressing poverty, would Republicans call him a libtard behind his back or like to his face also? And I, <laughs> so good. so um, anyway you know, whatever. So they, they've told, so, but what you see is that like that religious morality that, it, that is like, it's in a book and it, it seems to be like absolute. I mean, like thou shalt not kill. Right. I mean, I know it's old Testament, but you know, that seems to be the, um, the, the strict moral law is actually much, much more malleable than the secular morality, which From is supposed morality. to be changeable and, and it adjusts with the times. And like, it's, is this it's your a, point? This is a great point. Yeah. Or are you stealing it? No, this is my point. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a it's a phenomenal point. Yeah, yeah. I just I never thought of that, but it's a it's perfectly it's definitely true. Yeah, so like so, which, yeah, go which, ahead. Which doesn't isn't Franken the perfect proof of that? Oh like he, man, his transgressions yeah. were you know they were bad. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have done it, but he had to resign. Yeah, I mean, a Republican had done the same thing. No way that Republicans no. resigned. I mean, <clears throat> the president, right? So <laughs> much worse, and the, like there's right, there's no. Right. There's no whiff of that. Where's the story that that, right. that Trump's considering? No, I mean yeah. I'm actually for that. I'm for the strict morality on that issue. But yeah, of course. But nonetheless, your point is right. Yeah. Like the the secular morality is much more exacting. Yeah. Than the religious morality of the day. Yeah. Exacting on the right. Yeah. Which is why. Which is what I think. No, no. It's it's more exacting. Isn't morality more exacting on the left? Isn't that your point? Yes, that's my point exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, that, yeah, that's my point yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. why. And that's why. Uh, and that's why it, it, it weakens the mainstream democratic uh, candidate because and it and it allows for these a- attacks from the from the right because the standard that is set is like the moral standard set for the for the left candidate is uh, uh, like is impossible I think right. but under under right. capitalism like with democracy American democracy as it is practiced like there's not a clean candidate like if Bernie Sanders is gonna well Obama like, was Obama was I think that's he? Yeah, and he was a kind of miracle, wasn't he? Like, I think that's right. That's a good like point. he's 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 like perfect husband, yeah. per, you know, like not corrupt financially. He's you know, and he was pretty. Yeah, it's a but you're right. It's a tough morality to pass. Yeah, oh, God, like what's gonna happen? Bernie? What were you gonna say about? Oh, I was Bernie? gonna say Bernie. If Bernie becomes the candidate uh, for for the Democrats in 2020, like how much are we gonna hear about what his wife did at Burlington College? Yeah, we're gonna hear yeah. about th- that. I mean. That, that that is going to be a mountain and that's going to be and that is going to be worse um for some people for bernie than friggin trump university is for trump yeah. which was an actual yeah. scam <laughs> like you know <laughs> right. so which everyone's right. forgotten right. about too like that's another thing because he's because i mean to go back to your original point like all of the scams and all of the lies it just make trump more attractive to the supporters they don't they don't it doesn't hurt it doesn't chip away at the foundation it, it builds it and part of it the reason it. is because of this i mean it's because of this unequal moral uh, uh structure uh of, of politics right now i think that we've we've just gotten to but it's but i mean yeah. the main thing is also this this enjoyment like you can't really enjoy under that kind of under the well, the secular morality of the left you can really yeah, enjoy yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no that's i was yeah. just gonna say i was yeah. just gonna say that that those two things are tied together yeah. like the one is more morally exacting, and the other is, is 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 laxer, and thus gives more space for enjoyment. I think that's. I mean, although there there is a way. I want to. I always come back to this point, mm. but there's a way in which the leftists enjoy their moral probity. Yeah, right? like that's they, true. You know, like they enjoy recycling in the right 
thing and you know, mm. and, well, you know but, but there's always more enjoyment on the other side and yeah. like well, and that, and, throwing, it, the, feeds, throwing the plastic bottle in yeah the, well exactly because it feeds that and that's the problem because the the way that it's like expressed the way that ex- enjoyment is expressed um from the the good liberal is often uh judgment and it tends to take yeah. its place in like social media like why are you shopping here why are you doing this yeah. and it's this like yeah. it's this like personal responsibility of the left that do, i mm. don't know how much it accomplishes good for the world so much as it sustains the right wing critique of the left which like badly by the way yeah. i now have that judgment of you ever since you divulged this mcdonald's addiction that you have. <laughs> <laughs> so i am gonna just to let, just so you know that i you'll be able to enjoy mcdonald's even more even more I real i have a real moral judgment on you you know going there. todd all like all i can say to that all i can say is thank you <laughs> so that maybe will be a good <laughs> it's a good thing you're, help, you're helping me so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. Yeah. Let's put an end to it. Yeah. Over and out. Over and out, Todd. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs>